Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. So good to have some of the executive team up here on stage. We've got Katrina, we've got Andrew, we've got Alexia. And uh, they do have a specific assignment today. And uh, as per usual, we've been getting a little more hairy every week at family camp, meaning we've been going deeper into the truth of God's Word and having the kind of conversations that you don't generally have on a Sunday service. Now, the reason I say that is because we get a lot of visitors on a Sunday, a lot of people who are new to the church. And, and yet when you get away to camp, you, you talk family business. And so we have got a passage of Scripture to frame our conversation. I might get Andrew to read that, and then, yep. uh, then we'll reveal the title of what we're talking about. For sure. Go for it. So Colossians chapter 3, this is what Apostle Paul says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have been stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Come on, what a passage of Scripture for the final session of Family Camp. And uh, we are going to dig in today. As I've mentioned several times already, Family Camp have, we've been having some family-style discussions, but... What I think we need to pivot towards is having a discussion about family. And today we're entitling this conversation, this talk, You're Welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Write that at the top of your notes in advance. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. In fact, can I ask, is anybody aware of a trend that's happening at the moment Uh, In fact, there's two camps that we can pretty much divide society into right now in our modern year 2022, two specific camps. Uh, And and the first camp is called Team Space. Team Space, it consists of trillionaires, uh, people who have, quite frankly, so much money, they don't know what to do with, let's let's invest in space. And the whole notion is maybe you work for one of these people. Uh, they, they, 
They're investing literally trillions of dollars into populating Mars and finding ways to, to really inhabit the, the spatial planets because they believe the future of Earth is doomed and uh, climate change, you know. So uh, we have to find life or at least be able to sustain life somewhere else. And crazy amounts of money are being invested into this project. On the other camp is Team Earth. These are the people that think that populating space is ridiculous, or at least the trillions of dollars that we spend on populating Mars, which seems to me just to be like a desert without oxygen. Why don't we populate the deserts with oxygen that we have? Seems just a little bit simpler. Seeming oxygen is the difficult part. And so we have two camps, two people and divided lines within society. I'm wondering how many team spaces do we have here that you believe the future is in outer space? Don't, don't take my negativity as a, as a sign not to show your allegiance. Yeah, just be bold about it. All the, all the space people, all the outer space people, out of their minds people. Okay, all the, all the team earthers. Any team earthers here? Still only four people. Maybe... Maybe I could illuminate a third camp. There's a third camp, which I call Team Church. Which ultimately is the best of both worlds because at Team Church, we have earth invaded by heaven where heaven meets earth and we meet with Jesus. Get the best of both worlds. Get the best of both worlds. I'm all about the church. I'm all about the place where heaven meets earth, where lives are transformed, where God encounters people and people encounter the presence of God and where people's lives are forever changed, transformed. This is the church. In fact, this is the idea of the church that Jesus instituted. It was his idea. This isn't just a club where Christians come and gather and sing. The church literally is described as a body with many parts. So you are woven into the body. That when you are brought into the church, you have a function like a family. In fact, when you're a part of a family, it's a really good idea to know how does this family function. Because families function differently. I don't know if you ever did a sleepover as a kid and you're like, they do that? Okay. In my home, I'd be dead. Because their family functions differently. And so you might be a part of the body of Christ at large, but God places you in a specific family and there's a way a family functions. And I think this is the perfect setting, family camp. Again, I wouldn't do this on a Sunday, but at family camp, we've got liberty. So I want to do this. I want to kind of focus in on what do we need to know about the church to function. And I've invited some of the executive team up here and because uh, I want to get their perspectives because what's unique about our executive team, specifically these three, is, is, is they, they didn't ever design to be building the church full-time. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't the plan. You are on different pathways. You're not trained for this, specifically the ministry side of it, even though you're skilled. So I want to know why are you crazy enough to, to fix your whole focus on building the church? Maybe we could start with you, Lexi, because... You had a very peculiar pathway into ministry. It's not traditional. No. Most people don't go to Harvard to go into ministry. No. Wasn't the plan. Tell us yeah. why. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you said you're into building the church, and I am too, but it definitely was not always that way. Um, I went to Harvard. I got a job. I was very into the achievements, the accomplishments, but what none of those brought was peace. And so I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression to the point of being suicidal. And coming in here is actually where I discovered freedom right here on this altar um, on an Easter Sunday. I love Easter at Vive. Um, How many years ago was that? Oh, Six? Yeah, that's six I think years six ago. Years. Yep. Yep. Yeah, six years ago. Um, just completely shifted everything. And so it became this thing where you couldn't get me into church fast enough. Like I was here, oh, if you serve, you can be here all day. Okay, great. If you intern, you can be here during the week. Amazing. That's right. Um, Volunteering for I can everything. work here. You're going to let me be here. This is my happy place. And so it really was very self-focused in that season. But as I continued to build, I started to see that that transformation was happening for so many people. Yes. And that I got to be a part of it on the other side now. And now it's this deep conviction yes. that this is what I want to build. Yes. I mean, the, the, the transformation process over the last six years has been mm-hmm. phenomenal uh, and, and one that's fun to watch. Let me, for the sake of time, keep going because I want to know why, Andrew. You, I mean, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't as highly decorated as Alexia. No, I did not go to Harvard. However, you were pre-med. All right. Now that says something. You were going to be a, para- a paramedic. Yeah. That was the plan, at least. Yeah, that was, because I always knew I wanted to help people. And I always, uh, I didn't know how. It was really a vague, it's like that romantic concept. Oh, yeah, I want to help people. And so, and so. But I don't like blood, you know, so. (laughs) Oh, I actually didn't mind the blood. It was the vomit. Yeah, (laughs) that's my reason, too. (laughs) That's too much. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, it was, uh, I came down here to California to work as EMT, I was right when the church was starting, and I remember uh, probably the thing that hooked me, because honestly, I could say that I never thought I'd ever be in ministry. I never wanted to be in ministry, actually, because I have family that's in ministry, um, and I just never saw that in my life. But I remember uh, talking to you once, and you said that you saw leadership in me, and it was the first time in my entire life that that I had ever heard that, and I never even thought about it. And I think um, there's so many of us here who are here because someone called something out in them that they didn't even see in themselves. And then to see now, to be a part of the change, to see uh, people's lives being changed every Sunday at this altar. Um, And just to have a small hand in it. And knowing that you don't even have to be a staff member to do it. You don't have to work full-time at Vibe. You just have to put your hand up and be like, yes, I want to be a part and build the house. And there's 200 of us here today building this campus and then hundreds more across the world. And it's just exciting that we can be a part of a change. The change is so accessible, and all you have to do is just take a little step forward. So, yeah. I mean, I almost feel like we need a, a little advertisement for team after that. Join the Loyal 200 team serving you today. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, let, let's jump over to Katrina. Um, yours was, your upbringing wasn't really that noble. <laughs> Like, I mean, Andrew was trying to help people. I mean, you were trying to entertain people. I was trying to entertain people. Yeah, you were kind of like a glorified entertainer. You were doing theater, right? And, uh, yeah. Why is everyone laughing at that? That's, I don't, I don't know what's weird about that. That's what people do in theater. 
do. They entertain. Yeah, entertain. Yeah. They tell great stories, though. Exactly. Yeah. Stories of history. Yeah, there you fictional, go. Yep. Fictional. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I studied, um, I studied art. <laughs> and yeah, I went to school for theater. I did acting and directing. I lived out in New York and did that whole path. Yep. Um, I think what I always found, though, is I was like good at most things I tried. And I wanted to make money. And so I went into sales and um, got pretty successful in that and had a path down that route. Um, tried to do both at the same time. But I think I always actually wanted to be part of change in the world. And so as I continued to go through different startups, I was always in startups in their early stages, like the first, you know, couple years. Um, and so what I always found was like change or impact was just not going to happen in that space. And um, it was always like success and impact through those spaces were just dependent on that particular company's definition of success and impact, right? Yes. And um, so I think the opportunity to serve here taught me that I had a responsibility yes. as part of the church. I just never, I think serving, I grew up in the church too, and I saw opportunities to be in ministry and it just always looked different to me. And so um, it was kind of obligatory in my serving. I, I just, it was just around because right. it was sort of what you're supposed to do as a Christian. But when I had the revelation around how big a vision could be for church, um, it challenged all of the giftings I had. It started to connect with all the dots of like, this is why I'm good at this and this and this. And soon, you know, sales program development became, how do we do midweeks? And, you know, and um, theater became, how do you tell the gospel in so many ways that moves people towards the altar? So, um, so it connected the dots for me. I yeah. love how, that, how, how God uses the, the specific backgrounds that he has built through you guys. And if you've ever seen one of our Christmas productions, our Easter productions, you've got to be thankful that Katrina did theater because they're absolutely spectacular. Um, and so, and I love that, that light bulb moment that uh, being a part of the church wasn't feed me. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm responsible Absolutely. for this. Yeah. Which is kind of what the apostle is framing here to the Colossians. Babe, give us some insight from this passage. Yeah, well, I, I love how your stories are stories of change, stories of transformation. And when we come out of the world and into the church, there is a change. You do change. It's actually our job to change. God is the same. He doesn't change. He was the same yesterday, today and forever. It's not His job to change. It's our job to change. And so this is exactly what Paul's addressing and probably even reminding the Colossians is that it's time to change up some things. And he says this, he says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, he says, you can think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. It's this divine permission to literally change your perspective, to change your mind. There's permission to change your mind in the house of God. And so this is why I like this because, you know, he's actually encouraging us as the people of God to think differently. You see, when there's another reality other than our earthly reality that's brought into the equation, we get to, it, we get to live for that reality, right? So, so we are no, he says, um, uh, he says, what did he say? He says, um, uh, he contrasts it with your natural nature, but he says, put on your spiritual mindset with, an, yeah. uh, with eternity in mind 
um, because we have an eternal purpose. So we're not living nearsighted anymore. We're not living for the relationships. We're not living under the oppression and the bondage of the here and now. Christ has set us free. He's given us a new nature. We are more than overcomers in Him. We live for heaven and eternity, not just for the here and now. So there's this divine exchange that takes place. And I love that he also contrasts it and doesn't leave us in the dark. And he unpacks some of the temporal pursuits that we have in this world. Okay, and and he highlights them. He says, um, I don't want you to think about, in fact, I want you to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He says, I want you to have nothing. Not I want you to have something to do with sexual immorality. I don't want you to just dabble in it. I I want you to have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. I I don't want us to just really quickly go through this. I want to camp here. We're at family camp. This is where I want to camp. And again, as I said last week, we got a fireplace. When you're having a tough conversation and you don't know where to look, fire is good. Just stare at the fire, it's mesmerising. Is this, is this why you do bring all your hard conversations to me at the fire pit out the back? Exactly. <laughs> That's a life hack. We have a lot of fire pits. Did everybody catch that? That's a life hack. Smokem fire pit so, sessions. So, but it's helpful. So if it gets weird, just look at the fire because I want to dig in on this because the whole premise of what Paul is writing to the church is change. Yes. Time change. to change, put yes. on your new nature. Yes. And he's so good, he tells us what to change. Mm-hmm. He yep. says, we, we've got to put some things to death. I don't want to rush over this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Now, I wouldn't talk like this on a Sunday, but since we're a family camp, I think we need to press in and understand what are those things? What is sexual immorality, impurity? What, what are these things? Well, the Bible makes it pretty plain. It's any sex outside of marriage and marriage under God's terms. Because the world is redefining what marriage is. Right. Teach us. So, yeah, there's a lot of redefining taking place. So, so I think it's important that we come to Scripture for this because in Hebrews 13 verse 4, it says, Give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So there's, he, he wants us to honour marriage. Can, can honor, you maybe unpack marriage? You said there's redefining. There is a redefining of so marriage. So maybe you could define marriage. Sure. So marriage in a biblical sense is, where, is between a man and a woman. I'm just going to let that sit for a the second. The fireplace is right here. Just look. It's between a man and a woman. And in Genesis 2.18, he says, you know, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make a helper comparable to him. Okay, and so God is giving us the ideal. This is, the, this is his goal, his plan, marriage between a man and a woman. And, and we have to go to that space to look at it because even when you look at Genesis, the book of Genesis, it's not to be translated just as a... Um, uh, you know, when you when you look at it, it's not scientific truth, okay? It is eternal truth because the book isn't is less about how the world was created, and it's more about who created the world. 
And you need to understand that if God instituted marriage, He has a plan for marriage. He has a plan for marriage in the earth. And, and, and He unpacks that in lots of different ways. And I wanna give you some scriptures so that you can do your own research around this because this will be new for some of you. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, it says, As the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one, which I think is why there's such an attack on marriage. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband Then, you know, if Scripture isn't enough for you, Jesus Himself affirms Scripture because He's not separate from the Word. He is the Word. They complement each other. And Matthew 19, verse 4, we find Jesus saying, Haven't you read the Scriptures? Jesus replied, They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Can you just repeat that again? God made them male and female. There's no other categories. There's only two. And He said... This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. I love that definition and and I want to really press in here because this is, uh, it doesn't feel awkward enough yet and I've got a campfire for a reason. And what I love that Jesus does here is not only does He make marriage clear, but he also makes gender clear. Yes. That yes. there is an intent behind gender. God, God's design for marriage hasn't changed. The world, however, does change its definition. You see, you've got to understand this, that God has, a, has an agenda for gender, which is identity. Biology is God's thumbprint and design that He specifically intended a a biological plan and makeup for each person to reflect his intent for their purpose. And and where the enemy, now let me tell you this, I'm going to be talking about the world, the church, and the enemy. The world is not our enemy. The enemy is the enemy. But the enemy's goal is to corrupt the world. And therefore, the church for too long has allowed the world's influences to change the church. But it is for the church to be effective in this hour to stay true to the definition and preach the light of the good news if the church is going to have effect. Stay with me. You don't want to leave just yet. You want to make sure you hear the entire sermon before you put uh, your complaints up on YouTube. Outside of that, I'm just preaching the Word of God. I want to do it with all sincerity and truth. And and I'm doing it with with as much grace as I can because I want you to hear it. I don't want you to just put the resistance walls up from how you've been taught because Paul is inviting us to change our mind. Paul is inviting us to actually embrace the change that Christ has for us to put on a new nature, to put these things of sexual immorality and lust and desires away and to take up the new nature in Christ. And you've got to understand that what the world is trying to redefine actually inoculates God's plan for gender. That when God designed man and woman, He had a specific design in mind. In fact, Ephesians Ephesians 2 talks about you as God's masterpiece. So out of all the things that God has created, and He's created some pretty spectacular stuff. 
Like, like I don't know if you've been to the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've been. To, I don't know if you've been to Zion. You send me like all these places are spectacular. You see God's handiwork in creation. Yet out of all creation, what He calls His masterpiece are humans. That is His best work. This is His like out of all the things is you. Meaning he did every little detail with intention. You were not designed and gone, oh, uh, I don't know what that is. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> Nothing accidental or unintentional. Every fibre of your being, DNA makeup, is designed by God with intention. Not there for redefinition. Because when you start to redefine what God defined, you will always miss your destiny. Identity is connected to destiny. That the purpose of being identified in Christ is to reveal your destiny and walk out your, your purpose. And so we even see this with pronouns. See, pronouns become the enemy's way of furthering, further confusing identity to prevent people from ever knowing God's purpose. You see, identity is connected to purpose. God's plan is that you would find yourself in Christ, that you would come to know your identity in Him so that you can achieve the destiny that He played out for you. He planned out for you the purpose that He in mind as the great author of our faith that He's written a story, He's authored a story that you could walk in. He's given you gifts, calling, anointing to actually match your calling. But the first place, the only way to prevent the believer from achieving their purpose is getting the believer's identity uh, misunderstood. So the enemy knows that if I can move a generation into confusion about even the most basic principle of gender, if we can all of a sudden question that, suggest that that's a man-made construct, not a God-ordained identity, we will forever be confused about the purpose and plan of God. And I'm not saying, please don't hear, we are not trying to be evil or mean. The enemy's evil. If this sounds restrictive, it's not meant to box people in or out. It's to reveal the divisive plan of the enemy that has taken root against the truth of God's Word. And so this is why Paul invites the church to put on your new nature. Be renewed. As you, keyword, learn to know your Creator and become like Him. As you learn to know the Creator, you've got to know God to know what He has for you. Like you've got to know God. Yeah, you know Him to find out your identity. Right. And I love this idea of putting on yes. the new nature because that's active. That's moving toward the truth. It's not a passive. And I think sometimes we get stuck in what we think our identity is rather than choosing what Like God I'm says. stuck. This is how I'm made. Yeah. Yeah. I can't change. But there's, there's so much in here that's applicable of, no, this is what God says about me. And you can choose that. You can put that on. Yeah. And, you can, and you can take off the old. I mean, that's what I love that. Like you, as you continue to dig into who Christ is, you see that your identity is founded as a child of God. And if that doesn't come before everything else, right, then you won't be able to unpack anything else. You'll just get confused in the tangle of all the other things that you think so you, you are. So you've got to take off something. You've got to take it something. off, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's where that activity is, what you're saying. It's like you have that revelation of who he is and who we are in Christ 
Well, they get to continue to move forward. That's the change. It's the revelation. It's the activity. I yeah. I think earlier, Pastor Armin, you said, God is moving. Don't miss it. And I think, I think of how later in life I found my purpose at yeah. church. Yeah. And like, I just, I think of like how late I understood that my identity is found in Christ before what I do at work and who I am as a woman and all those things. And um, and so actually having that revelation of like, you can also take it off. Yes. You take off those old natures. So you take off this old thinking. You've got to be willing to surrender that old paradigms. If you want God to change you, there has to be a willingness to let go of some ideals, established thought patterns that you've been taught. And then verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then verse 4, he also says, clothe again. He says, and above all, clothe yourselves with love. So he emphasizes there's this newness, this new nature. There is an activity that you have to participate in and you have to clothe yourselves specifically with love. So maybe I could ask, what is love? If we're going to clothe ourselves in love, what really is love? Or better still, uh, how do we measure what's loving? Because while we know God is love, I don't think people realise that not all love is God. <laughs> so that we need a definition of how does God love? Honey, I'm looking at you intently so that you could teach us, you know, love. I do know love. I, I feel you love. 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 Uh, yes, <laughs> you love me and God loves me. But, but there's this, when I think about God and I think about him being the embodiment of love, it's love with standards. It's not love without standards. It's, it's passion and purpose. And so while our God has passionately pursued us, and some of you may be sitting here today and not even know that He has sought you out and that He has ran you down and <laughs> that you can't escape Him. Like nowhere can you escape Him. He is not so far away or afraid of your sins or anything like that. He wants to draw close to you. He's a relational God. And so God is passionate. He loved you so much. He sent His only Son so that He could remove all these obstacles and things and so that you could be freely in His presence. So there's that side of it. But He is the God of purpose as well. And like, I love my children. Like, He's a good father. I'm not a father. I'm a, I'm a great mother. I let you do the fathering. But, but when I love my children, I, I love them with standards. You know, I love them fully and completely for all that they are. They are completely known by me and loved by me, but I still have a great purpose for them. So I don't have to accept all their behaviours and all of that. I'm going to take them on a journey of transformation and change because I love them. And that's the way that God loves us. He's like, I love you passionately. I want so much for you. I want to protect you. So everything about the things I'm putting around you, the guide rails and all of that, they are not to limit you. They are there to protect you, to enlarge your life because I have a purpose for you that is far greater than you can even maybe comprehend right now. I love that so much. The, the idea of God's style of love includes passion and purpose. This is what we see on the cross that 
that the passion of Christ was that he gave up his life, how much he loved us, but it was for the joy set before him that he endured. Yes. Purpose has to be preeminent. Even in a marriage, yes. the way we love, you can have passion in a marriage, yeah. uh, but more importantly, you need purpose yeah. to your marriage. Because yeah. passion is like a fire that will burn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It can burn hot. Yeah, there's a lot of people who marry because there's passion, but right. they had no purpose. There, there was no alignment. So the truth is you can have a marriage without passion, but you can't have a marriage without purpose. Yes, yeah. Now, God is so kind that He gives you passion and purpose, but preeminence should be purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preeminence should be purpose. What's the purpose of us being together? And then you'll find passion on the journey. And God allows you to bring passion. And this is not just for married people. Sorry, I'm just going into marriage. Andrew, you're not married. You could I'm be. Not. I could be. All right, come on down, Paolo. Let's do this. Let's turn this into a wedding. (laughs) She's like, no, I want a ring first. (laughs) Just said, no, no, no ring. Love has standards. Love has standards. Exactly, Alexia. Thank you, thank you. But, but... But, but I mean, how expensive should the standards be? <laughs> how much is she worth? <laughs> anyway, back to the idea. We're meant, this is, guys, guys, this is meant to be tense, okay? <laughs> I know, this is not real. Yeah, it's tense for you. <laughs> He's like, how much more tense can it get? All right. Yeah, it, it's def- purpose is definitely not just married people. Um, I remember in uh, an old class that Pastor Phil, who was just here a few weeks ago, he talked about um, uh, 90% of your destiny is found in other people. And yeah. for me, I've always been a very independent person. So for me, I, at first I was like, no, it's not. There's, there's no way that's possible. Right. Like, you know, you think about the American dream, which is like get that white picket fence and the 2.7 kids, but yeah. everyone always talks about you going... And doing it. So. <laughs> the 2.7, yeah. yeah. Statistically. I, no, you're right. <laughs> Paula can figure it out one day. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think uh, that's the beautiful part about being a part of the community is that um, now looking, I, I've been here now 10 years and seeing all the best things I've ever done has always been with mostly other people. Like with other people doing most of the work and me doing that 10% and getting to be like, it takes a lot of us to do one thing. It takes 200 people to put on a service. It takes um, all of us combined together with one united purpose. And so, yeah. You're talking about the fact that a lot of your future is in the people God puts around you. Uh, That sounds really nice. But the reality is that means a lot of challenge. A lot of challenging in each other to produce the best, which is kind of in the realm of, of parenting. Uh, you know, a, any parent can actually create peaceful situations, but a, a godly parent will, will sometimes forgo peaceful situations to develop peace in their child in every situation. Yeah. Meaning yeah. I'm willing to actually cause some chaos in the moment and adjust my child's behaviour rather than just give in to them and, oh, you're throwing a tantrum, let me get you whatever you need. No, no, oh, you can be crazy because I ain't doing that. 
Because that's ugly at 30 years old. And I want to produce peace in you, not just peace for me. And that requires some stuff. Alexia, you, you're yeah. a parent. I have you know a all about point this. seven of a child right You have now. the point seven of a child. Um, he's 10 months old. He's 10 months old. <laughs> um, no, he's a, he's a full child and he's awesome. But he just learned to crawl, right? And we're talking about the guide rails. We're talking about purpose, correcting. And he is flinging himself off things. He's climbing stairs and trying to like throw his head back. And this is a strong... Yeah. 10-month-old. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's, he's a big kid. Um, and, you know, he's trying to crawl off the back of the couch. And there are things we're setting up, and it's making him angry of why is He's angry with up. you. He's angry. He'll he, scream. You won't let he him throw himself off clap. the stairs. Um, right. Yeah, because I won't let him throw him off. And, I mean, parents of toddlers will know this. The things they get upset at you for are ridiculous. I'm just trying to save your life. But I wonder how many times it's like that with God. Like, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just setting you up for a win, <laughs> right? And we, we want to do it our way. We want to do what feels good. We want the passion. We want the sex before marriage. What's the purpose? There's a purpose for it. And God has set up the guide rails for a reason. We're like the toddler. That's so restrictive, God. <laughs> like, I'm trying to save you from killing yourself. Yes. You're a parent, Katrina. I'm a parent. Yes. I've got two. They're not 0.7. I have the two and you have the 0.7. Yeah, yeah. But no, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And it challenges me because you could just parent. Uh, can I say it this way? Like you can lazily parent, you know? Right. And, um, but I have to love them enough to be responsible for who they're going to be later. Exactly. You know, and so if I don't correct their behaviors now, I mean, Aya is four years old and some of the things she does, we laugh about, but I'm like, oh, we got to correct that because we were just like in Costco the other day and she's like laughing at people and pointing. And I'm like, all right, that's going to have to look different. Like, that's a little too confrontational. We're going to have to fix that. But you know what I mean? So you... That leads down the road, but but it is. It's checking them to be. <laughs> it's checking. It's real love. It's real love. You've got to shape their character. God made them with purpose as well, and so my responsibility as a mom is to challenge that character to grow into what it ought to be, so that when it's faced with things that challenge her character, she can stay firm on what's truth. You know, so. That's yeah. great. So so here's the thing, and and I mean we're too happy right now, so I need to I need to steer this in the right direction. If this is. If this is what we believe and hold firm to about love, the love has a challenge. If this is what we believe about sexuality and, and marriage, my question is, can the church truly be accepting? Can the church truly be accepting of other interpretations of marriage, of gender, or sexual identity? Well, Paul... Um says in this letter, Pastor Adam, that the goal is change. In verse 10, it says, put on your new nature and yes. be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's, yeah. So I think we need to define what is acceptance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. Because as Katrina said, there are certainly behaviors we don't accept. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a, I don't have to accept that. Right. You've got the ten, I don't have to accept that. In fact, Romans also reveals this as well, that as... The church, the purpose of the church and really every believer is to constantly be changing, to be changing more like Christ. In fact, let me show it to you, Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because 
of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and and, and perfect. See, what, what Paul the Apostle states here is that the goal of the Christian is to continually become more like Jesus. To continually be more like Jesus. This is why he writes to the Colossians, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. So, so, So what we need to understand is the purpose of the church is to change you. That's why we got an altar. See this space down the front? We've got like about six or so feet of just empty space. No chairs. We're out of room, but no chairs. And the reason we have that is because there's an altar. It's a place where you get altered. It's a place where you come before God and you let God change some things in your life. And that's the whole goal of the church. Every single Sunday, we set an atmosphere of God's presence so when you walk in, God can reveal through the Holy Spirit some things He wants to change because His goal is to make you more like Christ. So really what the church is, is it's a change station. It's a place where you come and get changed. The church isn't obligated to accept anything, to accept Whatever you think the church should accept, that's not the church's position. In fact, verse 3 says, For you died to the old life, and your real life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. So, so there is an invitation to continually see God for what needs to be changed in me. It's hidden. It's hidden in Christ. God, search my heart. Seek, find wicked ways within me. Find it. So accepting would essentially mean I, I need, I, 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 you don't need to change. That's what accepting would be. Right. If we defined it. Right. Yeah. And it wouldn't be real love. And I'm, I'm so glad we don't do that. Right. Honestly, because I would have been the same as six years ago. Yes. Like the freedom was found and people telling me, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. God actually has a plan for you. Yes. And this is not your identity. Yes. And I think yes. when, when we accept... We don't love people enough to tell them there's more. And there is more. And so there's more. There's more. Oh, I like that. So so the truth is, and this may be hard to handle. I hope you wrote it down. The church is not accepting. That may be busting some big bubbles that you had in your mind or some thoughts. What do you mean the church is meant to accept? There's a lot of people we don't accept. We definitely don't accept any predatory people. <laughs> you got any malicious thoughts towards the church? You ain't accepted. In fact, we don't have to accept anything or anyone. But do let me tell you, while the church isn't accepting, it is certainly welcoming. Hence the title, You're Welcome. You're welcome. This is... This is what the apostle is trying to emphasize in revealing that being a part of the church means you need to put on your new nature. Being a part of Christ, you need to put on your new nature. And guess what? The whole premise of this place is to change. But you don't have to change to come. But you must come to change. Help me preach. 
Don't get it twisted. You don't have to change to come. Come as you are. You're welcome. Jesus receives you as you are. So you don't have to change and become something to come to church or come to Jesus. But you better come knowing I've got to change. I've assessed my life. There's some things in me that I need to change. I'm so glad I'm welcome. This is why Paul, after telling the Colossian church, we need to change. We're going to change. We're going to put away sexual immorality. We're going to put away lustful desires. We're going to put away this old life. We're going to put on this new life. He makes sure we, we understand the approach. He says, however, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful, making allowance for each other's faults. We love people as they are. They're welcome. They're welcome. Just because you're welcome doesn't mean I have to accept We'll make allowance. But you have to come willing to change. Am I willing to change? I'm not just willing to change. See, God does the, the changing. I do the willing. I give God permission to change. God does not force anything upon anybody. He invites and He will reveal. In fact, I, I really like Formula One. Any, any Formula One fans here? Praise Jesus, we have the right church. <laughs> Love Formula One. And today is the first race of the Formula One season, 2022. It's magnanimous day. <laughs> anyway, my favourite driver, Danny Ricciardo, he's... In his time trials, he actually didn't do too well. He's placed 16 of 20 to start on the grid. 16, it's like right down the back of the pack. And I was watching in the time trials, the conversation that McLaren are gonna have to do a lot of work to get up into the leaderboard, to get up to the top of the pack. They have to rework the car. They're gonna change some things about the braking. They're gonna change some things about the acceleration. And even Danny might need to change some of the way that he's driving. If he doesn't wanna be down the back of the pack, he have to be, to be up the front. However, what's fascinating, they're talking about all the changes they need to make. The, the time difference from P1 to P20 is three seconds. Just three seconds. In fact, in a pit stop in Formula One, two seconds is a fast it's an okay, actually. One and a half seconds is quick. So we're talking milliseconds of change that mean, mean the whole difference in the outcome. Yes. See, I love Formula One and I love this Christian life. Paul refers to this Christian life like a race and he says, I run to win. I run to win. So the church isn't the destination. The church becomes the change station or a pit stop where I can actually get change so that I can win so that I can achieve the prize that Christ has set before me. And God, if there's some things I need to change, they may seem minor, they may seem major, but God, I wanna be changed completely so that I can run the purpose that Christ has set before me. The church is a place of change. The church is a place where you're welcome to change. That you don't have to stay the same. 
You see, we need to flip it. You, you mean I have to change it? No, 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 no. You have to come in with the permission to change. Yes. That you get a new nature. That you get a new nature in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul is trying to remind the Colossian church and what I'm trying to remind Vive Church is that when we come into this place, there's a whole lot of thoughts and ideals that we develop over our life, being in the world and being in systems and being under all kinds of influences that when we come to the church, we have to take all that stuff and say, God, let me lay it before you. What do you say? God, I want You to redefine me. God, I want You to tell me what is the truth. Reveal the truth. I don't wanna live a lie. I don't wanna believe something less than Your best for my life. God, here I am. As David prayed, search my heart. It's a powerful prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. The Bible says, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. That wasn't just a one-time deal. That was continually seek Him and He will continually reveal all the little things He wants to work in and through your life. Instead of looking at the truth of God's Word and the light being restrictive, see it as permissive to go on that journey of change. God doesn't tell you to change. He helps you change. He helps you change. God doesn't say, well, when you change, you can come to me and holding us back. He says, come as you are. Watch as I will empower you with every tool, gifting, anointing that you need to go on this transformation journey to ultimately fulfill the great purpose and calling that He has for each one of us. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.